And now, here they are, the Beatles! Hi, I'm Justin Shears, and welcome to Only a Northern Song. In this series, I'll be exploring the words and the music of the Beatles, but not through the usual tracks that we all know so well. I'll be delving into my extensive collection of outtakes, home recordings and demos, alternate mixes and interviews, to shed some new light on lesser-known aspects of the Beatles' recorded legacy. Queen says no to pot-smoking FBI members. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, but she doesn't have a lot to say. John, had you met the Queen before? Uh, no, first time. What did you think of you in the flesh? Did she tell you? No, she's not going to say either way, you know, but she seemed pleasant enough to us, you know, mm-hmm. made us relaxed. Ringo, what she said to you? She seemed to spend rather more time with you. Um, it wasn't that, really. She was talking to Paul and I butted in once, and then she said, um, did you start it all? And I said, no, they started it all. I'm, I was the last and young. Did you find it a, a frightening occasion compared with the stage? Not really. It was just different, you know. Mm. It wasn't terrifying. Paul, how, how did you find it? Uh, how, how were you prepared for this? Uh, I wasn't really. I didn't know what it was going to be like, you know. But it, it turned out sort of as I imagined it, but I, I didn't have a definite picture. Very formal, but it was good, you know. She put us at our ease. Did she talk to you about the reason that, uh, that you got the award? No, she didn't say anything. Uh-huh. See, the only thing she said to me was, um, how long have you been together? And I said, many years. To which Ringo quipped, 40 years. We've been together now. <laughs> And George, one last word from you. Why, why didn't you take uh, family along? You could have taken somebody, each of you. Yeah, we could have done, but, um, well, lots of reasons, really. For a start, well, my family just got back from holiday and got a lot of things to do, and also with all, you know, mm. <laughs> lots of reasons. Oh, now, you've, now you've got this, do you feel that you're becoming part of the establishment, as it's so-called? No, don't feel any different. I still feel, feel just exactly like before. You feel exactly the same. You feel exactly the same. Thank you all very much. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Good night. I'm gonna make a mine. On the 26th of October 1965, the Beatles took a day off from recording their sixth studio album to visit Buckingham Palace to be invested as members of the British Empire by Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. The band seemed to be quite relaxed about the occasion, and if the story is true, it may be because they had a little bit of herbal assistance in the palace toilets beforehand. Nevertheless, each now had MBE after their name, with one Beatle famously returning his honour four years later. But now, it was back to work. The Beatles returned to Studio 2 on the 3rd of November 1965 to record a song which already had quite a history. As Paul explains, we used to get invited to these very artsy parties, and we weren't really artsy. We were kind of working class boys, you know. But John was at our college, so we'd go along to one of the tutors, um, you know, do's, and we'd be a little bit out of our element. We'd be enjoying it, but the people there would be sort of, you know, painters or symphony conductors or something. It was all, and we'd be a little bit the scrubs, you know. So one of the things, I used to occasionally take a guitar and sort of sit in the corner looking very enigmatic and French, and so, the black polar necks, and just hope some of the birds would go, wow, he's a French guy, you know, must get to meet him. They never did. 
So anyway, I had the tune, and years later, John said, remember that silly French thing you used to do? I said, yeah. He said, well, you should put words to that, you know. So I did. home demo of Michelle, salvaged from the same tape that contained several demos from this time given to John, who unceremoniously taped over them with his own surreal comedy sketches. The song was worked on further by Paul, who shopped around several friends for ideas and suggestions, and finally to John for the finishing touches, including the emphasis on the word love in each refrain of I love you, to make it similar to Nina Simone's version of I put a spell on you. How was Michelle written? Uh, well, Paul had had this idea about writing a bit with some of the language, with French in it, and he just sort of had a bit of a, I don't know, a verse and a couple of words and the idea. I, forgot, I think he had some other name or something. Oh, he used to call it. He used to talk double Dutch French. You see, just to sing the bit, like that. So he had that, and then he just brought it along. We sort of started fiddling around trying to get a middle eight. We pinched a little bit from somewhere and stuck it in the middle eight, and off we went. Michelle, take one. <coughs> one, two, three, four. Until I find a way, I will say the only words I know that you understand. Michel, my belle, sont des mots qui vont très bien ensemble, très bien ensemble. I need to, I need to, I need to, I need to make you. Oh, what you mean to me 
of Michelle, as it would have sounded before the addition of its distinct three-part harmony backing vocals. Take one had captured Paul's acoustic guitar and vocal, and Ringo's drums. Bass guitar and a lead guitar solo, again both played by Paul, filled the tape, so a reduction mix to a second tape was made and called Take Two. Onto this was added another acoustic guitar from Paul, and backing vocals by Paul, John and George. Nine Hours produced a song which is still part of Paul McCartney's live set today, but wasn't considered releasable as a single. See, there are songs which we, we like, but we wouldn't like to have out as singles. Because it's a very funny thing about putting a single out, you know. I think we always used to think um, for a single we'll have to have something that's pretty fast. I don't know why, you know, just because they always sounded like the singles, you know, the, the faster ones. So when Mich- when we did Michelle, and we all thought it was okay, you know, but we just didn't want it out as representative of us uh, at the time. As always, Ringo needed a vocal spot, many of which had been cover versions until this point, and lately with a more country and western feel. The Beatles, and especially Ringo, loved their country music, and would return to this genre every now and then. And this album would be no exception, and the inspiration for Ringo's first co-writing credit would be a song largely written by John and Paul back in 1963, as heard in this rare acetate demo. Uh, how much did you contribute to What Goes On? And are you contributing to any other Lennon-McCartney compositions? I, um, about five words to What Goes On, and not, I haven't done a thing since. <laughs> one, two, a one, two. The other day I saw you as I walked along the road 
But when I saw him with you, I could feel my future fold. It's so easy for a girl like you to lie. Tell me why. What goes on in your heart? What goes on in your mind? You are tearing me apart When you treat me so unkind What goes on in your mind? I met you in the morning Waiting for the tides of time Just the same You didn't even think of me As someone with a name Did you mean to break my heart And watch me die Tell me why What goes on In your heart What goes on In your mind You are tearing me apart When you treat me so unkind What goes on in your mind? An isolation mix of the Carl Perkins-inspired What Goes On, recorded in a single take on the 4th of November 1965, with simple overdubs of Ringo's lead vocal, plus John and Paul's backing vocals, making the track complete. An oddity is the final mono mix of the song, which omits George's guitar lick at the end, probably because it was faded too early at the mixing desk. With the studio booked until 3.30am, something which would gradually become the norm for Beatles sessions, the band had no other material at hand, despite the looming deadline for the album's completion. But the time left would not be entirely wasted. The Beatles' backing of Tony Sheridan in Hamburg in 1961 had produced a real Beatles anomaly for two reasons. Not only was it the only Beatles release credited to just John Lennon and George Harrison, but it was an instrumental. The Beatles produced less than a handful of these in their recording career, including one for the future Magical Mystery Tour film in 1967. In an attempt to emulate the kind of instrumentals being made by Memphis band Booker T and the MGs, the Beatles set up in their traditional roles, plus George Martin on harmonium, to rehearse and lay down an impromptu track 
which would be abandoned almost as quickly as it was recorded. I don't, I don't like leaving things, and I don't like those tapes lying around. I, you know, when we was with the Beatles, we never left tapes in the vault. It either went out or was, there was not, you know, nothing there for when they died. But it wasn't a conscious decision. Just never liked having tapes left around. There's very little Beatle material, if at all, left that was never put out. There's one crummy, crummy 12-bar instrumental. We did a lot of crummy, crummy 12-bars in between takes, and one, only one was ever put on tape, and it's really crummy. Twelve bar original, we're calling it. It's take one.
takes one and two of 12 bar original. Clocking in at just over eight minutes, take two would be widely bootlegged in decades to come before being resurrected in a heavily edited form for the Beatles Anthology 2 release in 1996. Time was running out to complete the new LP, so all hands were on deck to provide enough material to be recorded quickly for inclusion on Rubber Soul. George would come to the rescue with his second contribution, a song with the working title of I Won't Be There With You. It only took one take to perfect the backing track, again without vocals, before overdubs of pianet, percussion and its distinctive fuzz bass sound played by Paul through his fuzz tone distortion box. With the instruments laid down, it was time to record the vocals and backing vocals simultaneously. With the need for a new Beatles fan club Christmas disc also looming, it was decided to leave the tape running between takes to capture some of the ad-libbed material. While none of it was used for the final Christmas disc, it does provide a valuable insight into the techniques used and the mood on the floor of Studio 2 that evening. And go where you're going oh, to... Oh, the first take, you know. Now I've got it in my bleeding mind for remembering it. I will have a cup. About the good things that we can have if we... No, play major. Can have, play loud. About the good things that we can have if we close our eyes. Close our eyes. Close our, just get close our, uh, close our, close our, close our, I'll play this. Though. Otherwise, you. About the good things that we can have if we close our close our eyes. Like you got. Oh, it doesn't matter what I keep going. No, that's I've forgotten what I keep. If we close our eyes, the good things we can have if we close our eyes. Okay. Lady Helen, Nance. To say about the girls that you do. Bear with me or have me shot. Uh, we we'll just have to have a go of it, you see. Mm. It could be there and it couldn't. Could be where? There. Or it couldn't. All right, Paul, come along now. Where are you going to? Close our eyes. Okay, I think I might have it now. I know. I got something in my head, you know, and all the walls of Rome couldn't stop me. You're right, pickled onion. Keep quiet. Because he kept pointing up there. Why did you keep pointing up there every time? I was doing it as a joke because every time we came to there, you pointed it out. Well, you know, that was the first time that I went wrong when you started doing that. And ever since then, we've had this trouble. Do you want to fight? No. Okay. Good. <laughs> Let's settle it. <laughs> Otherwise. <laughs> you play snooker? Yeah. I don't. <clears throat> Somebody up there likes me. Who is this? 
It's Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. It's who you Who gave his only begotten bread for us to live and die on. And that's why we're all here. And I'll tell you, brethren, there's more of them than there are of us. And that's why there's so few of us left. Why such fury? (laughs) Condemned out the thoughts of man. Yeah, what is this wrath? That be old. Why such favour? Why such favour? Okay, let's go. And he called and they bloody well come. Oh, aye. Yes, but oh, if you look in your Bible. I can't go on, I really can't. Come on, let's do this bleeding yeah, record. And that big old. Do what you worry, I'm sorry, sometimes I feel less than useless at these sessions. I really do. Mm. Of course, Cynthia understands. I often talk to her about it when we get home. Mm. I say, sometimes, you know, Cynthia, I just can't get the note. Look, Terence, what if you it? want to resign from the amateur dramatics, do. It's not that. I put a lot of money and thought into the whole thing. Yeah, but let's face it, you're crap. <laughs> aren't you? Well, all right, all right. I mean, you're only doing walk-ons. Whose father was he got the hall in the first place, eh? Yes, you're only doing walk-ons and you're farting those up. And you've, you've got, got time to rectify all the things that you should. That was that it. You should. you should have got that me there, boy. I was moving. Until I'd know him to get back in here, you know? He's kind of grooving out of the place, you know? Is he? I can bet there's just a drawing. Okay. That you should. Oh, I've got it now. Listen to this. I'm going to give expression as well. Do you want to hold a penis? Do I? Here it comes. John. John, love. Jonathan, what are you doing? He's just been. Where is he messing behind us? I'll get him. Behind those pianos again. Here it comes. Paul. I just got in from Olympia. I left the torch. The future still looks good. And you've got time to rectify all... I haven't got that down, you see. Why don't you leave it one out? Yeah, just leave it out again, then. Okay. Lukewarm baby got a custard face. Gone around and on the old old race. Kids, your magazines are at half the price. One, two, three, four. I've got a word or two to say about the things that you do. You're telling all those lies about the good things that we can have if we close our eyes do what you want to do and go where you're going to think for yourself cause i won't be there with you
Try thinking more if just for your own sake The future still looks good And you've got time to rectify all the things that you should Know what you want to do And go where you're going to Think for yourself cause I won't be there with you What you want to do And go where you're going to Think for yourself Cause I won't be there with you Think for yourself Cause I won't be there with you An isolation mix of Think for Yourself George's second song for the new album Another late evening, early morning session on the 10th of November was devoted mainly to one track, inspired by a growing worldwide movement, a song which was a precursor to All You Need Is Love in the summer of 1967. John explains. I, it sort of dawned on me that love was the answer when I was younger. On the Beatles' Rubber Soul album, the first expression of it was a song called The Word. The Word Is Love. In the good and the b- bad books I have read, whatever, whatever, where the word is love seemed like the underlying theme to the universe or to everything that was worthwhile got down to this love, love, love thing. And it was the struggle to, to love, <laughs> be loved, and express that. You know, there's something about love that's fantastic, even though I'm not always a loving person. I want to be that. I want to be as loving as possible.
Only three takes were needed to complete the word, a bluesy number with a very solid groove. Little would the Beatles know that this song would help to spark the summer of love in just 18 months' time. This session finished around 4am, leaving just enough time to return to a song which had only made it to one take back in October. I'm looking through you, take four. I'm looking through you Where did you go? I thought I knew you What did I know? You don't look different But you have changed I'm looking through you is soothing but the words aren't clear you don't sound different i've learned the game i'm looking through you you're not the same why tell me why did you not treat me right love has a nasty habit of Disappearing overnight You're thinking of me The same old way You were above me But not today The only difference is you're down there I'm looking through you Disappearing all the night I'm looking through you Where did you go? I thought I knew you What did I know? You don't look different But you have changed I'm looking through you unedited take four of I'm Looking Through You, Paul's not-so-subtle message to Jane Asher. For reasons unknown, the two false starts would be left in on US copies of the song. With several spots left to fill the 14 tracks needed, it was sink or swim time. Harking back to the recording of their very first LP, the Beatles took over Studio 2 for a marathon 13-hour session, beginning at 6pm on the 11th of November and finishing at 7am the next morning. John and Paul both arrived with new songs, and it was Paul's which was tackled first. When I call you up Your line's engaged I have had enough 
So act your age We have lost the time That was so hard to find And I will lose my mind If you won't see me You won't see me You won't see me I don't know why you should want to hide But I can get through My hands are tied I won't want to stay I don't have much to say But I'd get turned away isolation mix of Paul's You Won't See Me, completed in just two takes with the Beatles on their traditional instruments, and a sneaky overdub of a single sustained note by the Beatles' minder, earning him the sleeve credit of Mal Organ Evans. Not to be outdone, John offered up his latest composition, one which would become a fan favourite in years to come. Just like the suggestive lyrics in Day Tripper, the sharp intakes of breath in the choruses suggested more herbal relaxation techniques. The song also offered some titillating backing vocals. Girl's real. Uh, there's no such thing as the girl. She was a dream, you know. But the words are all right, you know. It's about what well, she taught when she was young that pain would lead to pleasure. Did you understand it? All that. The, the sort of philosophy quotes was, was reasonable. I was thinking about it, you know, when I wrote it. It wasn't just a song. Uh, and it was about, you know, 
that girl that happened to turn out to be Yoko in the end, but the one that a lot of us were looking for, you know. We put like tit, tit, tit in girl, and uh, I don't remember. Girl, take one. She promises the earth to me and I believe her After all this time I don't know why Ah, oh, girl Girl, girl She's the kind of girl who put you down When friends are there you feel a fool Say she's looking good, she acts as if it's understood she's cool. Ooh, 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 girl. Girl, girl. Was she told when she was young that pain would lead to pleasure? Did she understand it when they said that a man must be? isolation mix of girl, with the laddish in-jokes left in for posterity. After a quick tally-up of recordings deemed good enough for the new album, the Beatles found that there was still one track needed. They were officially out of new material, and needed to resort to something they had never done before, heading back to the tape shelf to dust off a track started during the sessions for help several months earlier. Have you written any songs specifically for people? Did, did you write Wait for Frankie Vaughan? No. <laughs> Have you we weren't thinking of Frankie at the time. It's been a long time. Now I'm coming back home. I've been away now. Oh, how I've been alone. Wait till I come back to your side. We'll forget the tears we cried. But if your heart breaks, don't wait. Turn me away And if your heart's strong 
Hold on, I won't delay. Wait till I come back to your side. We'll forget the tears we cried. I feel as though you ought to know that I've been good, as good as I can be. And if you do, I'll trust in you and know that you will wait for me. I feel as though you ought to know that I've been good, as good as I can be. And if you do, I'll trust in you and know that you will wait for me. But if your heart breaks, don't wait, turn me away. And if your heart's strong, hold on, I won't delay. Wait. Till I come back to your side We'll forget the tears we cried It's been a long time Now I'm coming back home I've been away now Oh how I've been alone An isolation mix of weight the final piece in the puzzle which would become Rubber Soul. The remainder of the session was spent adding the finishing touches to a few songs through simple overdubs, plus mixing for the final tracks. The album was complete, but just needed two things, a title and a cover sleeve. The title came from a record review for a single which Paul had read about, which described the song as Plastic Soul meaning that it was a poor imitation of the authentic American soul sound, a phrase which may have prompted this comment at the end of recording I'm Down in June 1965. Plastic soul, man, plastic soul. Plastic soul, man. Rubber Soul. To me, all I can remember is that was a kind of straightforward album. You know, if you listen to like, uh, Hey, You've Got to Hide Your Love Away, that's John doing Dylan, basically. Because right. Dylan had just come out and we were big fans of Dylan. Um, so a, lo a lot of the things would be that kind of thing, you know. Rubber Soul was just like a funny title. You know, that's the sort of bit I remember most about it, just being a kind of catchy, silly title. Can I? So, uh, a lot of people like that as an album. Was that, do, can you tell me if that white album with the drawing by Klaus Vormann on it, there's an album, was that before Rubber Soul or after? Oh, I see, okay, Rubber Soul's the one. You really don't remember which? No. Well, maybe the others do, you know. I don't remember those kind of things, because it doesn't mean anything. It's all gone. No, we, we just were, were getting better technically and mu musically, that's all. I mean, we finally took over the studio. I mean, in the early days, we had to take what we were given, you know, and we had to make it in two hours or whatever it was, and one, three takes was enough, and, and we didn't know about you can get more bass and do it. We, learned, we, we were learning the technique, and rubber soul, we were sort of more precise about making the album, then, that's all, and we took over the cover and everything, you know. What was rubber soul? That was just a simple play on that. 
Oh, that was Paul's title. I suppose. It's like Year Blues, I suppose, you know. Main meaning English soul, you know. <coughs> Robber soul, I suppose. Just a pun. A tongue-in-cheek twist changed the chosen material from plastic into rubber, and a title was born. A mere 18 days after their final recording session, Rubber Soul was on sale and headed for the number one spot in the album charts on both sides of the Atlantic. I'd like to direct this question to Messrs. Lennon and uh, McCartney. In uh, a recent article, Time magazine put down pop music, and they referred to... uh, Day Tripper as being about a prostitute, oh, yeah. and Norwegian Wood about as being about a lesbian. Oh, yeah. No, I just wanted to know what what your intent was when you wrote it, and what sh- what your feeling is about the Time magazine criticism of the music that is being written today. We were just trying to write songs about prostitutes and lesbians. That's all. <laughs> The album is fondly remembered by all of the Beatles as a departure from their more simplistic songwriting and recording of previous albums and as a bridge to what was to come over the next two years. But every album must have a cover, and the iconic image used for Rubber Soul came about quite by accident. Rubber Soul was an indication of the way things were going to go. It's one of my favourite albums. I think it's a great album. That was my favourite you know, at that time, I think that was the best one we made. I mean, we certainly knew we were making a good album then. And the cover, the cover story, you know, that uh, the cover where we look stretched, the photos stretched. That was the kind of thing would happen then, which we were all very into that kind of random little exciting thing that would happen. Uh, the photographer was Bob Freeman and he'd taken some pictures around at John's house in Weybridge and we just had our new gear on the Polar Next and we did straight um, mug shots, four of us all posing. And he came uh, back in London, he was, he was in someone's flat and he was showing us, he had a little carousel of slides and he had a piece of um, cardboard stuck up on a little chair that was album cover size and he was projecting the photographs exactly onto it because you could imagine exactly how it had looked then as an album cover. Just kind of a good way to do it. But just as he, we, we'd just chosen the photo, we said, well, that one looks good. And we all liked, we all liked ourselves in one particular shot. And he um, was just winding up when, the, when the, the, the card it was on just fell backwards a little bit and it elongated the photo and it stretched and we went, oh, can we have that? Can you do it like that? He said, well, yeah, I can print it like that. He said, yeah, that's it. Rubber soul. Hey. You see, there's no great mysterious meanings behind all of this. It was just four boys, you know, working out what to call a new album. Well, that's it for this episode. Next time we start the new year of 1966 with another Beatle wedding and explore the foundations of what would become one of the Beatles' most acclaimed and important albums. Until next time, 